Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The field is set for the state track and field championships as divisional meets across Montana played out over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At the Western AA Divisional in Missoula, the Sentinel boys have the inside track for a third straight state championship. The Clark Twins helped carry the Spartans to a narrow team victory over Kalispell Glacier. Drew Clump, who will play football at the University of Montana next year, won the 110 hurdles and placed second in the 300-meter hurdles. Tanner Clump, who will run cross-country and track at Minnesota next year, placed second in the two-mile and third in the mile in a very competitive field. Other divisional champions from Sentinel included Carson Bites in the 200, Brady Colenditch in the 400, Colin Shawls in the 800, and Danny Sermon in the discus as the Spartans outlasted Glacier by 1.5 points. The Sentinel girls won the state titles in 2018 and 2021, but Helena High won the Western AA Divisional for this season. Sentinel was second. Helena standout senior Odessa Zentz, who will run at National Powerhouse Northern Arizona next year, posted victories in the 200, 400, and 800 meters, helped the Bengals to 150 54 points, 63 more than the Spartans. Helena's Kylie Hartnett, who's bound for Utah next year, won the two-mile and placed second behind Hellgate's Kenzie May in the mile. Sentinel senior Brooks Stainer won the long jump and took second in the 100-meter hurdles to pace the Spartans. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a phenomenal start to your week. I'm heading out to the Kettle House Amphitheater tonight. 
first show of the year out there at the Amp. Should be a fun one. Mr. Thing in the first hour of Nuanas Now, coming to you live on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. You can find it all on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as The Advocates, available on all of your podcast hosting platforms. Always fun when I get to go down to Studio 49 there at the Gallagher Business Building. Hang out with my good friend Justin Engel, one of the most insightful guys you'll find in this great city or anywhere, really. Professor of Business at the University of Montana. And this week's discussion, a compelling one. What is, I guess, how essential is competition or lack thereof in the world of sports? How impactful is marketing through the lens of branding with professional golfers? And what did Magic Johnson maybe not get enough credit for during his post-NBA career? We talked all those things on a business angle right now. Well, what's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. I might be a little out of breath. I've been running around Missoula, literally running. <laughs> the guy I'm with, no, Justin Angle, he's actually a good runner. I'm just wearing my boating shoes and my... I don't even know what they call these shirts. But. You're not really dressed for success when it comes to <laughs> foot travel. It's all good. The car saga continues. I won't bore you with that. We've already talked a bunch about it. But it is time for a business angle with Justin Angle, the overlay between business and sports. A ton to get to today, but I just logged on to the internet, and it always takes you right to the University of Montana homepage over down here at Studio 49, and a great picture of some gleeful students on graduation Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I know that was a couple weeks ago, but how did it go? It must have been a fun Saturday for you. I got to say, gra- uh, commencement graduation is one of my favorite days on campus. Yeah. It is wonderful to see uh, our students sort of cross that threshold. Um, you know, in my life, I haven't done a very good job of, of acknowledging milestones. And so I encourage students and families to do that and to see them sharing that. And here at the University of Montana, we've got a lot of students that are first generation college students and to see the families experience that and the joy of that achievement is really special. Um, And, you know, uh, from a self-interest side, my, my wife, Maggie, works hard on the commencement preparations, right. a lot of the orchestration of the event, and uh, the, she and her colleagues changed up a bunch of the things in the ceremony this year. And I thought it, it went off flawlessly, and a lot of the things made it made it uh, you know the best commencement that I've attended, and um, much more intimate for the students and, and fun for the faculty. Well, very cool. It seems like there's some good momentum here down on campus now, and and that's a good thing. I think that there was a lot of worry in higher education across the country Mm -hmm. when it came to the pandemic. I know you were, as as a guy who's a professor, I know that uh, the on-Zoom learning was not your favorite thing in the world, but it seems like we're back in the classroom. The commencement went well, and enrollment's coming down the pipe. I'm hearing there's some new dining facilities maybe going in on campus, some new housing. Um, There's a new art facility going in on campus as well. The Grizz Lacrosse team just played in the national tournament. And there's a lot of good stuff going on this spring of Montana. Absolutely. Tons of good news. And and I think this is indicative of positive momentum. Um, The enrollment numbers look, or the indicators for enrollment look strong for the fall class. Uh, Our retention, um, that's, I mean, the retention number's a big one, right? Because if you can keep students that you already have, I mean, that's what we talk about in business is customer retention. Our retention numbers are up seven points um, since President Bodner got here on campus. And that might not sound like a big number, but it's a huge number in terms of the operations of the university. And it's it's telling us that 
what we're doing on campus is working, creating a better experience for the students and creating a, an easier pathway for them to advance in their education. And as you said, all the other things happening, you know, if we've got this bond restructure deal that went through a couple of years ago, that's fueling a lot of capital investment to upgrade our facilities. And those things will have compounding effects as we move forward. The leadership at the university, I think, is a much more cohesive team. We've got a new provost starting. Um, and by all accounts, she's going to be a great addition to the leadership here and really kind of take our operations, our academic operations to the next level. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish. And, yeah, like you said, just being back in the classroom without a mask has been liberating as well. I feel like I can do my job the way I want to do it again. There's sort of a, a parallel there between uh, enrollment retention and, and business in general, right? I think that's one of the things I learned the most in running my own business was don't try to do too much. You can't make everybody happy. Do what you do best first, and potentially the best customer acquisition you can do is the retention of said customer, or in this case, the retention of said student, right? That's pretty good. You could pr pretty much walk into my business safari class <laughs> and teach freshmen the fundamentals right there because right. you nailed some of the most important stuff. Um, the other thing I tell people with business strategy is whatever field you're in, figure out the hardest thing to do and do that mm, mm -hmm. because that's the thing that people will avoid doing. Right. And if you can do that and do it with competence, then you'll probably outperform the rest. Well, speaking of this, it's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications down here at the Gallagher Business Building, Studio 49. Justin Engel joining us here on Nuanas Now. In When you, when you talk about um, American and then worldwide professional sports, there is no real peer to some of the American leagues. Mm -hmm. And uh, then then some of the American leagues are no peer to some of the other leagues. So, like, when you talk about soccer, for example, right, right. the MLS is far down the list in terms of prestige on a worldwide level. Also, though, like, the Italian Professional Basketball League is pales in comparison to the NBA. Sure. But the, each still exist, right? There's no real outside of America competition for football, but also there's not really very many countries that play football at a very high level besides America. This got me thinking, though, about golf, because right now there's a big controversy on the worldwide golf scale. Mm -hmm. The PGA is one of the only worldwide leagues. That's one of my favorite parts when you watch golf now. When they put the scoreboard up, there's always the flag of wherever the guy's from. Right. And it is just such a smattering of just countries from all over the world. I mean, mm -hmm. you have a, you look up there... And 25 years ago, it used to be like America and maybe somewhere in Western Europe and Australia, a few different flags. Now there's just everywhere from all over the place. But they also have no competition whatsoever. Even if guys are playing on the European PGA Tour or the Asian PGA Tour, sure. it's still the PGA. Well, now there's this upstart potential league that is potentially being funded by uh, mostly really, really rich oil tycoons in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Phil Mickelson has got himself in some trouble, both for uh, some of the idiotic things that he said, but also simply for acknowledging that he is considering and even promoting this new league. The, P the PGA is sort of spinning it like, look at all this offensive stuff Phil Mickelson said. But in reality, they're trying to cancel him because they know that he could be the spearhead of this other league that Greg Norman's also a big part of. But I guess my first question on this is, broadly, what do you think of this? Because... Uh, some of the connections to the people that might be funding this are a little unsavory or potentially dangerous. But on the other hand, 
most oftentimes competition's a good thing when it comes to business and the sports world. Yeah, I'm generally not fond of monopolies and monopoly yeah. power and the effects of those things. Um, you know, sometimes it, it makes sense, like in the form, in in the sense of like the U.S. Postal Service, for example, to have a gov- government subsidized entity with somewhat monopoly power, although there's alternatives to the Postal Service. Sure. But yeah, what we're talking about with sports leagues is is something different. Um, you know, you could say that like the NFL or the NBA have local monopoly power in the United States market, and they are fueled by collusion um, and so forth. The PGA is different because you don't have teams. You've got individual athletes. Right. Um, and generally, I, I think some form of competition would probably be good for the athletes and probably for the fans of the sport, right? Because leagues will try to um, create more compelling customer experience. So that will lead to better fan experience and better athlete experience. Then again, if this new league is funded by unsavory characters, Mm -hmm. that becomes a bit of a challenge. But I guess my attitude toward it would be you know, if if we're going to let kind of market dynamics drive this thing, then there will probably be a consequence for these athletes, as we've seen with Mickelson and Norman, for going and taking the money from this source, right? So I, I, I sort of think, like, this is maybe not that big a deal because it'll sort itself out. Yeah, they'll throw a lot of money at some players and maybe pick off a few, but, but like, Mickelson's what, like, Closing in on 50, Greg That's Norman's right. He's retired. Right. We're not seeing a lot of young guys going over there. Sure. Um, you know, and that's where you'll that's where you'll see a league get momentum. If they can pick off some sort of retired guys, if they can maybe unseat the senior PGA Tour, fine. But that's not really going to change the sport. It's going to be so interesting to see just how much money talks. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the biggest draw here, just generally. Because, I mean, Live Golf, LIV Golf, is Greg Norman is the CEO of this former major champion, and the number one thing that they can offer, they're proposing seven regular season events, each with a potential as much as five million dollar grand prize and a twenty five million dollar purse. Yeah. To put that in perspective, the PGA Championship just happened this last weekend. I believe the total purse for that was twelve million dollars. So you're talking about twice the money of what a major championship in the traditional PGA is going to get you. That said, there is an opportunity here, or I guess there's a consequence here if somebody goes and plays on this tour, then they're going to be banned from playing in these American majors. So then I guess it's going to come down to the decision-making of what matters to you more, your legacy Mm -hmm. in terms of the golf world or the money. I think there's there's only a few guys in the world that really have any sort of legacy to play for. Most guys on the PGA, even though they are so elite, don't have any brand-name recognition. So you just wonder... I think the place that this could hurt the PGA the most is not the Rory McIlroys and Scotty Schefflers and, you know, Jordan Spieths of the world. It's the guys that you haven't heard of that go out and take 31st all the time but still make 5 to $10 million a year. That guy could go make $20 million over sure. in Saudi Arabia. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe it just dilutes the pool. At the same time, though, like say some, you know, mid-tier. I say mid-tier. Like if you're getting 31st at the Masters, you're, probably, <laughs> you're hardly a mid-tier golfer. <laughs> totally. But you're not a household name. Sure. If you go over to, you know, one of these one of these live tour events and you're able to pick off prize money, I just don't think that's enough for the investors in that league to be pleased with their investment. I mean, they're not, I mean, there's some 
maybe there. This is, seems like an ego play. It's easy for us to assume that these oil tycoons are going to, you know, just sort of be in this with fun play money. But at the end of the day, like it is a business, and if they're right. giving money away to names that nobody really knows, and they're not attracting the biggest names in the sport. It doesn't really seem like it's going to fulfill that ego, that ego need. Well, then the question arises, though, is how much of name recognition comes from prowess, but also how much comes from promotion? Yeah. Because if, if this guy is just the, you know, the 39th best golfer in the world, but he can go on this other tour and now be the second best golfer on that tour and he's winning all the time. He might be getting more run than like a Xander Shoffley or something like that. Maybe. You know, Charles Schwartzel, a guy that's like good and golf geeks like me know, but maybe nobody else really follows. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see because the money is so profound. Somebody's going to make the jump. I mean, Phil Mickelson's already basically yeah. executed yeah. himself when it comes to playing on the PGA anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't really think he's going to be able to get over this black ball, but you wonder who else falls. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. If if some of the younger guys with uh, a lot of potential um, or some of the guys that have already won majors that still have a lot of career left in front of them make the jump, I mean, that, that that's going to be big. And the PGA is going to have to think about ways to retain their best talent. And, and you know, these, these sort of penalties of, hey, if you go play in one of these, these events outside of our league that you can't come back, those things seem like uh, artificial and unsustainable kind of barriers to free movement among these athletes. This is from an article in Time magazine. It says, Saudi Arabia's critics have labeled the kingdom's massive recent investment in sports like golf and Formula One as a classic example of, quote-unquote, sports washing. In other words, using the sheen of sports as a way of whitewashing an autocratic nation's human rights record. This is very interesting because, you know, they go on to say there's been all these United States intelligence reports, for example, about the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, who uh, approved the assassination of the Washington Post journalist. Sure. Recently, Phil Mickelson talked about that. That was one of the things that he got in so much trouble for. I also find this part interesting because it's sort of twofold. One, back to the point I just made, I do think that those who become popular and prominent, so often it's about what the media wants to present to you. Like, I often think that the reason that the, the quarterbacks are the most talked about and analyzed people in the NFL, it is a really important and the most important position. They're also the ones that are most broadly marketable to the homogenized nature of American sports fans. Sure. It's really hard to market a guy like DeForest Buckner, for example, who's the captain of the Indianapolis Colts. He is an incredibly large, scary, ferocious man. He's, <laughs> he's not Drew Brees, who looks right, like the right. guy who mows his lawn and lives next door to you. He's, you know, six, seven, 300 pounds and comes from a, a very different background. And So I wonder how much that plays into it. But then also... It's, we have this very tangible and very obvious human rights thing associated with this. Often, though, I'm not, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not so sure that there's not owners in American sports that are any less or more unsavory than a lot of these guys. It's, it's, it's a little bit muddy, though, right? Because there's yeah. a political element here. There's, right. there's so much that goes into it. Yeah, I think that that level of a lot of sports owners would probably not hold up to the level of scrutiny that we're applying to these to these newcomers. Right. Um, I mean, like when the Donald Sterling tapes came out, I mean, that was just it was just crazy. It's like, damn, this guy owned an NBA team for like 35 years. This is horrible. Exactly. But when we're talking about a nation state style operator, Mm. that seems like a different ball of wax altogether. You know, then you introduce geopolitics into it. It gets complicated fast, and it's really hard to kind of compare 
the unsavoriness of a Donald Sterling and then how that was handled by the NBA uh, versus, you know, if you're dealing with nation state money, that's 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 um, you have to get a political scientist on here to <laughs> right. comment on how that works. Very, very complicated for sure. It's a business angle. Justin Angle joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Okay, one more golf question. Because we've reached this point in sports now, it's so funny because I'm always analyzing my own brain's ability to be marketed to. Yeah. Like when I first heard that the NBA was going to put logos on the jerseys and on mm. the shorts and on the courts, I'm like, well, that's terrible. I don't want to see all of that. Yeah. I don't even notice it now. I have to consciously notice it to notice it. And when I do, it's fine. It doesn't resonate with with me at all. I watch the NBA every single night. I couldn't tell you one jersey sponsor sure. for one team. I could tell you some of the stuff that's on the jerseys, but I couldn't say the Miami Heat have that. None. I got no idea. So that's an interesting deal. But I do find myself intensely watching which PGA golfers wear what. Mm. If Phil Mickelson's worn his KPMG hat forever, he's not going to wear it anymore. <laughs> they cut that deal <laughs> yeah, exactly. quick. But, you know, Tiger Woods with his red Nike shirts, you know. Uh the, the the guy who won the Masters a couple of years ago, Hideki Matsuyama, yep. he is a big Skrixon guy. He kind of brought Skrixon to the to the forefront. But I guess my question for you is, first, two parts. One, is that the most effective form of on-person advertising, you think, is is on the Professional Golf Association Tour? You mean versus, versus like, how it's Just done in the, the NBA, NBA or the soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think with with golf in particular, you, that the athlete is moving much slower. Um, the it's a single person whose the focus is on that single person over a period of time. The logo is often on the hat, which can be focused on because you're seeing a lot of the players um, sort of a lot of the focus is on the player's face with how they're preparing for shots and so forth. So if you're thinking just from a brand exposure, brand um, awareness standpoint, I, I think golf is particularly effective. Um, it's also... I might see a guy in a shirt, and I'm like, well, I'm going to play golf this weekend. Maybe I'll go see that shirt. You well, know? so that's another thing. You're seeing the, the I like product those shoes, you know? in context. I'd say, right. like, if you're, if you're going to market basketball shoes, like, there's no, probably no better way for Nike than to get the shoes on the player's feet. But if you're Vista Prince and you're putting your logo on the Celtics jersey, which I just noticed in one of the games over the weekend, I was like, that's kind of lame. It sort of corrupts the classic... Celtics jersey. Now I grew up in New Hampshire, so I was quite fond of the Celtics sure. and sort of view that as a, you know as I viewed the Boston Garden as somewhat sacred space. Set that aside, I just don't. I mean, it's useful from a brand awareness standpoint, um, but I formed no sort of attitude toward Vista Prints. I just know that if, if I was looking to print, maybe Vista Print would be somewhere deep in my memory as some some brand to call upon. But I think you're right. Like with golf, it, uh, it you can tell a bit of a story, particularly, you know, like when Tiger Woods was sponsored by Accenture or, you right. know, like you said, Phil and KPMG. And I know SAP sponsored um, a golfer from once. And, and that, I can't remember the guy's name, but he wore that like visor that flipped up in the front. Oh, and yeah. Said SAP, some French guy, I think. Was it Jesper Parnovic? Yeah, that sounds right. Who, is he who French? Did, I, I, he's, I think he's Swedish. Swedish, okay. But then his, his nanny who he brought to the events because he had multi, I think he had like four kids. Yeah. So his nanny became sort of like a part of the, the show. 
that is Elid Norgren. Oh, okay. Who so became Tiger Woods' wife. Yeah, yeah. Former wife now. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, but yeah, I remember that was kind of this unique look in SAP. I, I was a young guy. I'd never heard of SAP. And mm-hmm, then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it becomes this household name. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with your premise. I'd have to think about it more. But yeah, good idea. It is interesting. But then there's also the, uh, the entry point to it, right? Because a lot of the stuff that they're marketing, I guess... I don't know. It's so interesting that the the general uh, economic makeup of those that are watching golf. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. right? Is you might see uh, Ricky Fowler or you know Tiger Woods on the TV, and you're like, "Well, all that stuff's cool." And then you go look up how much it's going to cost. You're like, "Oh man, they're wearing hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars worth of stuff." Yeah. Well, I mean, you're thinking about the. Are you trying to sell equipment? Clothing, or are you trying to sell professional service contracts? Right. If you're KPMG, it's a whole different type of sales cycle and a different type of customer than if you are Nike trying to sell Tiger Woods shirts, right? And so, you know, I think yes, the the demographic of folks that watch golf on a regular basis and are exposed to that brand probably that's a better spend for KPMG than trying to sponsor get your logo on the Celtics jersey or some other team's jersey. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Speaking of the uh, Celtics and also the always intertwined Los Angeles Lakers, hmm. I finished Winning Time, the uh, the drama from HBO. And at the same time, uh, Winning Time, this is so funny the way that this stuff works. I, I sometimes wonder if they collaborate with each other in terms of when things drop. Or I also, also wonder if sometimes they just know when things are going to finish and so they have an answer but magic johnson dropped his documentary yep. his like docuseries on apple tv uh pretty shortly after winning times 10th and final episode of season one had come out and i thought it was very interesting because it was sort of like this answer to winning time like here's what really happened right right <laughs> which was fascinating but i did think that in magic johnson's documentary i thought it was the the, the two things that it made me think about so much were for as famous and as revered as Magic Johnson still is in the basketball world and just in America in general, he's still somehow underrated because he's like put below Michael Jordan automatically all the time. And Michael Jordan is the coolest guy that ever walked the face of the earth. He's certainly the most marketable athlete that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But he's far less impactful than Magic Johnson has been from a humanitarian perspective and so many different things that, that Magic Johnson has done. And uh, I just I found that part interesting. I also just found it so interesting how much of the trail that Magic Johnson blazed that then Michael Jordan was able to take over on. Sure. And I also found it so interesting comparing and contrasting this Magic Johnson documentary with The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's docuseries. Uh, Magic Johnson's is so good, and it's so in- introspective, and it's so well-produced, yet... I've, I know a lot of people that have watched it, and they say, well, it's good, but it wasn't The Last Dance. It's amazing how Michael Jordan just continues to still have the upper hand on Magic Johnson, even though they brought a lot of the same things to the table. Yeah, there's there's something. I mean, yeah, The Last Dance, I think, has unique resonance, um, probably because when it came out, it was the first of this sort of multi-series genre to come out. Sure. It came out, like, right during lockdown. Yep. When it just, like, that was the only thing on TV. For sure. Pro sports had shut down. Yep. People were hungry for it, and all of a sudden it was like, it was like when that, uh, you know, the the, the, the the newest of the newer, or the, the, the first of the new Star Wars came out. And the reason we all loved it was because it was sort of like the first Star Wars movie. It was just like a greatest hits role. 
I, I think there's somewhat of that. And then with Jordan, there is like this brutal honesty, transparency that, you know, even though he's involved in the production of the the the, the series, he's an executive producer, he gets a credit right, right. and probably had some editorial control over what got in and got out. There was still a raw authenticity to it that you that I haven't seen in the other documentaries, like the Lance Armstrong one I didn't see it, the the, certainly, the I watched a couple episodes of the Tom Brady man in the arena, and that just seemed like this white. You know, I'm a Tom Brady fan, being a New England Patriots fan, but you know, it just seemed like wow, this is just designed to polish his legacy as best as possible. So, you know, I don't know with the Magic Johnson. I saw the first episode, parts of the first episode. Um, I'd like to see more of it. Uh, there's a niceness to him that is wonderful and compelling. But his, he didn't quite ever have the edge as a competitor. Although, as a competitor, he was fierce. Like, right. think of that rookie year game where he right. goes in and plays center at the Boston Garden and For sure. slays that dragon. But he was never sort of seen as this ruthless competitor. Um, Part of that is man. because of the persona of Magic Johnson, right? He yeah. talks a lot about that, how he truly has two personalities. Right. The Magic Man and Irvin Johnson. Irvin Johnson is the guy who's done all this wonderful and uh, impressive things in business mm-hmm. over the last 30 years. Magic was the guy who dominated on the basketball court, and they're two distinctly different characters. Yeah. And then that that's also, to me, a little bit, like, kind of less compelling than a guy who is single-minded, and you always get the same thing. Like, with Jordan, you always got ruthlessness in every dimension of his existence. For Magic to sort of say, oh, I had these two personalities and two characters, it just seems to me like it's a little manufactured, even though it's it was really effective and yeah. it lend, let, lend itself to a lot of good outcomes. It still seems like, wow, this guy um, wasn't as single-minded as Jordan was. I think we all kind of probably exist in, in, in our lives in a way that's sort of closer to a Magic. We have different personalities in different areas Interests of our lives, and, sure. whereas Jordan was just like, Winning games is all that matters. It was a robot. Robot and and a, a borderline compulsive competitor. I think about oh, it. Yeah. I think about this with guys like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant a lot. Thank goodness that there is an outlet like sports for them because mm-hmm. I don't really know what guys like that would really do. Tiger Woods is sort of in the same mold as well. I mean, like the guys that were on the Dream Team, they talk about Jordan would go play. 18 to 36 holes of golf every single day. Yep. Come play the game, score 30, never come out, and then stay up till 4 in the morning playing cards. And they get up and do it all over again. And bet in high stake. Like, it, everything was a competition. Everything. Like in Like in the last dance when he's competing with the security guards right. in that Rolling game of dice. quarters. Yeah, or whatever exactly. That is. Playing quarters, all of it. Yeah. It is, it is sort of interesting. I just, I find it so fascinating that Michael Jordan was able to basically, um, Establish himself as the alpha among alphas. And then that, I think that the thing that makes Michael Jordan's re, uh, legend resonate more than anything is that all of his peers tell you the only guy in the world that was ever better than me is Michael yeah, Jordan. Exactly. You know, Charles Barkley, who's one of the most, you know, outrageous characters, one of the most yep. self confident guys in the world, he says, you know, coming out of, he said it in the last dance, he says, coming out of Barcelona, I was so confident, I knew. That I was the second best player in the world. <laughs> and the only guy that I knew that was better than me was yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah. And I think that probably plays into the magic narrative too. Sure. Like he was he was dominant, but he was never singular 
and mm-hmm. his superiority over anybody else in the league. I mean, he always had Bird as the foil or right. even on his own team. I mean, he had other Hall of Famers, a, a, a Kareem, et cetera. Um, you can make the argument that he was the best player in the NBA at the time, but it, it was a debate. It wasn't just like the whole, not only did the field of journalists know it, but with Jordan, like the other players knew it and would say it. So that's a different sort of thing. Yeah, it is interesting too to think of just the people that Magic Johnson beat. I mean, he he beat Larry Bird and the oh, Boston yeah. Celtics multiple times. He beat Julius Irving in the uh, 76ers. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan beat Magic Johnson once. Michael Jordan beat Clyde Drex. And it's just, it's interesting to see sort of the uh, the parallel between the two. But I also thought that, and it's Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, it's a business angle, Justin Angle joining us like we do every other Tuesday here on ESPN Radio. Uh, The other thing I thought, though, was the the other part, I guess, that is sort of underrated about Magic Johnson is his entrepreneurial nature, Mm -hmm. the way that, you know, people forget how amazingly impactful the moment was when he was diagnosed with HIV. Yeah. Because we didn't know as a a society, really, anything about this. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of pinned as this, you know, off to the side, you only, you only got it. You know, there's a lot of people in America, I guess, that would say you only got it if you deserved it. And and unfortunately, yeah, there are a lot of kind of misguided attitudes. At that exactly. Point. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you realize, wow, you're a hero. Yeah. The guy who you have watched on Sunday afternoons forever. This man has this. Uh, so I think that it, it's sort of underrated Magic Johnson's ability to handle that situation to realize the scrutiny that was going to come because he tried to come back multiple times and he would realize I can't do it just because it was going to be too much of a distraction for everybody else. Yeah. But then his ability to sort of pivot and go into becoming one of the great entrepreneurs on the West Coast, period, let alone as a former athlete, but then also the business strategies that he had to add culture and add vibrance to uh communities that didn't necessarily have that you know they talk all about that in the documentary about how like crenshaw boulevard in south central la there was not movie theaters you couldn't go to the movies right and so he got movies in there he got films into uh you know uh, less fortunate areas and he's just had such a huge impact on a variety of different areas and I, i just think that his impact broadly is probably greater than almost all of his peers yet we don't remember that as much i don't know why well, it's not something we know much about. Right. right. Documentaries like this help tell that story. And, you know, and, and Magic's been focused on just creating positive outcomes in his business enterprises. And sure, he's been successful and generated a lot of money for a lot of people. But it's about, like, making particular places better, creating access to new resources, and less about telling a story about how great he is. Right. And so that, that sort of self-promotion piece... And this is a credit to, to Magic has been has been kind of lacking. And may, this documentary is maybe a way to tell that story more effectively, because um, that's part of the, the a big part of the legacy, as you say. Yeah, it, it is because I th- I just think he deserves credit for being um, a, a pioneer in terms of black entrepreneurs. I think mm-hmm. he deserves a lot of credit for humanizing, for lack of a better word, HIV and AIDS. I mean, he he sort of gave it a face for better or worse. Yeah, I mean, I think there was some better and worse there. I mean, it certainly made it accessible. Right. Um, and at the time, it was thought of as a really scary disease. For sure. It was killing a lot of people in horrible ways. And then you have Magic come along, and he seems fine. And he's living with it. And right. he doesn't seem to be at all sick or affected. Sure. 
And um, so it, it humanized it in the way that said, hey, this is a living disease that, that can be managed and can people can sort of continue in their lives and prosper. But at the same time, it probably, um, for people that, that didn't really know much about the disease and didn't have much exposure to it, might have limited the the fear that we needed in society to, to, to allocate more resources to figuring this thing out and to getting the people who needed help. And the last thing that, the, probably the number one thing I learned um, from this, because I, I had known all of this stuff all the way up until like sure. the mid-90s when we started building movie theaters and all that. But then it, it was also sort of Magic Johnson as a black father to a son who's a homosexual. And the way that he sort of um, I don't even know how to describe this, but Magic Johnson later in life became an advocate for mm-hmm. that in the black community. Sure. And Dwayne Wade talked a lot about it in this documentary, talking about how, because Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union have a transgender child. Okay. And Dwayne Wade said he learned from Magic, hey, it's my it's my kid, and this person was born this way, and, it, and uh, I'm going to love them for who they are, and... Magic Johnson talked openly about that, how when his son was first um, expressing these things, he was saying, you know, I wasn't necessarily go- going down this path with him. I was trying to nurture it out of him, basically. And then I realized, no, no, this is who my son is. I'm just going to love him. And now they have an incredibly close relationship, but it's also sort of normalized that for uh, his community first and also just uh, largely in America, too. So I think that he maybe doesn't get enough credit for that either. Well, hopefully this documentary will get yeah. him some credit, right? And totally. get the word out there. Totally. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. I was going to ask you about uh, real estate and rent prices when it comes to college athletes, but I think, oh, we're, uh, I think we're running out of time. So maybe yeah. we'll we'll get back around to that uh, next week, but I guess two weeks from now. But this has been a business angle with Justin Angle here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, coming to you from Studio 49, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Fun one. Thanks, man. Indeed. Treasure State Stars, some of the best of the best. Plus, the Missoula Paddleheads open on Wednesday. We got some tickets for you. Keep it right here. Free Paddleheads tickets and some outstanding prep track and field performances. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The field is set for the state track and field championships as divisional meets across Montana played out over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At the Western AA Divisional in Missoula, the Sentinel boys have the inside track for a third straight state championship. The Clark twins helped carry the Spartans to a narrow team victory over Kalispell Glacier. Drew Clough, who will play football at the University of Montana next year, won the 110 hurdles and placed second in the 300-meter hurdles. Tanner Clump, who will run cross-country and track at Minnesota next year, placed second in the two-mile and third in the mile 
in a very competitive field. Other divisional champions from Sentinel included Carson Bites in the 200, Brady Colandich in the 400, Colin Shawls in the 800, and Danny Sermon in the discus as the Spartans outlasted Glacier by 1.5 points. The Sentinel girls won the state titles in 2018 and 2021, but Helena High won the Western AA Divisional for this season. Sentinel was second. Helena standout senior Odessa Zentz, who will run at National Powerhouse Northern Arizona next year, posted victories in the 200, 400, and 800 meters, helped the Bengals to 154 points, 63 more than the Spartans. Helena's Kylie Hartnett, who's bound for Utah next year, won the two-mile and placed second behind Hellgate's Kenzie May in the mile. Sentinel senior Brooks Stainer won the long jump and took second in the 100-meter hurdles to pace the Spartans. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Montana. Welcome back. No on is now. Baseball season upon us. It's been rolling. I've been going and watching my little nephew play some baseball a couple times this spring. Professional baseball, though, begins tomorrow. That's Wednesday. Missoula Paddleheads back to defend their Pioneer League championship from a year ago. We got a couple tickets for you, so stay tuned just a couple minutes for that. At Western Cider, it's all about great cider, good times, and community. As the official cider of the Missoula Paddleheads, Western Cider has a game day deal that can't be beat. Stop by the tasting room for any home game, show your game ticket, buy one cider, and get one free. Kick back and enjoy a cheese or charcuterie plate with your cider, then take a quick walk over the California Street Bridge to cheer on the Paddleheads. Western Cider, 501 North California Street, open 4 to 8 Monday through Thursday and noon to 8 Friday through Sunday. If you have a ticket, you're going to get buy one, get one free ciders at Western Cider. We got two tickets for you. So call us right now. Caller number 2-406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Got two tickets in Section 104 for you. The Missoula Paddleheads. Versus the Billings Mustangs tomorrow night, Ogren Park, Allegiance Field. Call right now, caller number 2-406-888-1029. Two tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads. Home opener tomorrow against the Billings Mustangs. Time now for our Treasure State Stars, which we do each Tuesday, highlighting some of the best individual performances from around the state of Montana. Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a great place to get a loan because they love to say yes. Treasure State star number one, Trayton Anderson of Dillon, the BYU-bound senior. What a divisional meet this last weekend. Blew the doors off the thing. He won five, count them, five individual titles. For those keeping track at home, you can't be entered in more than five events at divisionals. So he won them all. He won gold in the 100-meter dash, the 200 meters, the 400 meters, the 110 hurdles, and the 300 hurdles. That's like the trifecta and the duo all at once. If you go 1, 2, 3, 100, 200, 400, that's incredible. If you go 110 hurdles and 300 hurdles, that's incredible. To pair them all together, silly. 
It's unbelievable. Jeremy Anderson, who's Dylan's head track coach and Trayton Anderson's father, he says, you can't have any more than that. For you to win five individual divisional championships, it's pretty unheard of. In talking to other coaches around the state, I'm not sure it's ever been done. He also had three individual Western A records. He ran both hurdles events and the 200-meter dash faster than anybody in that divisional's history. He ran 22 flat in the 200. That's the best time in the state, all classes. That's smoking hot. And he won the race by more than a, almost a second. He also ran 14.4 seconds in the 110 hurdles. That was the best uh, ever at the Western AA Divisionals by, uh, excuse me, that was the best in his heat by 1.27 seconds. And his 300-meter hurdles time of 38.40 was a personal record, and it was 3.29 seconds ahead of the runner-up. He also ran sub-11 seconds in the 100 meters. Unbelievable. Um, probably the, the highlight of that meet was when he won the 110-meter hurdles and uh, then 23 minutes later went and won the 400 meters. <laughs> His dad, Jeremy, the coach there at Dillon, said he timed it. <laughs> he said that should be a new divisional record as well. It should. So impressive by Trayton Anderson, the Dillon High School, I guess Beaverhead County High School in Dillon. He's bound for BYU, one of the best track athletes in the state of Montana. Treasure State star number two, Odessa Zentz. She had a triple dip as well. She won the 200 meters, the 400 meters, and the 800 meters at the Western AA Divisionals to lead the Helena High girls to a dominant team victory. Odessa Zentz bound for NAU next year, and uh, she'll be one of our featured athletes on our Senior Spotlight interview series a little later on. I actually have exchanged uh, communication with her, and uh, she wanted to wait until after uh, the divisional and state meets were done to do the interview, so that's fine. That's actually going to make it better, especially if she goes and wins some state championships. Treasure State star number three, the Klump twins of Missoula Sentinel. Drew Klump, who's bound for the University of Montana, to play football. He won the divisional title in the 110 hurdles and placed second in the 300 hurdles. Tanner Clough, his twin brother, who's bound for Minnesota, the Montana Gatorade cross-country runner of the year in the fall. He placed third in a really fast mile time, and he placed second in the two-mile. Those in itself are impressive finishes, but also more impressive because Tanner Clough Hasn't really got to participate during his spring season, his final season of high school track, because he's been battling some mono. So it looks like he is at least inching back toward um, better health. Um, but he sh- he'll be a contender at the state meet in both the mile and the two mile this upcoming weekend in Butte. Treasure State star number four, the Todorovic the sisters. Remember that last name. These two are up-and-coming stars in the Montana track and field ranks. Logan Todorovic, who's a sophomore at Helena High, she won the 100 hurdles, the high jump with a school record mark of 5'5", five five, the triple jump, and she got second in the long jump. That is a crazy number of points. That's 38 points individually. Her younger sister, Madeline, who's just a freshman, she got silver medal in the 400 meters, a bronze medal in the high jump, a bronze medal in the long jump. So that is a ton of points from two sisters at Helena High, a dominant effort. Behind those SSNs, Kelly Hartnett and the, and the Todorovich sisters on their way to the team Western AA Girls Track and Field Championships. Treasure State star number five, Caleb Bernhardt. He had Kalispell Glacier in the mix 
for the boys' divisional title uh, in the West with Missoula Sentinel. Bernhardt won the 300-meter hurdles over Drew Klump and was second to Klump in the 110 hurdles, so he scored some points there for Glacier. His teammate Sam Ells was the top point scorer for the Glacier boys. He won the mile and the two-mile with really impressive times, so he'll absolutely be a force at the AA meet this upcoming week as well. Sam Ells, by the way, our Treasure State star number six. Treasure State star number seven, Taylee Chirik of Billings West. She's a sophomore, and she did that same triple dip as Odessa Zentz. Gold medals in the 200, the 400, and the 800-plus. She scored some points in the long jump as well as West Cruz to the Eastern AA team title on the girls' side and the boys' side. And so Taylee Chirik, as only a sophomore, will certainly be a big threat to score at the state meet next week as well. And then Treasure State star number eight, a familiar name on this show, Brooke Stainer. She didn't have a very heavy load for Missoula Sentinel this last weekend, but she still won the long jump and took second in the 100 hurdles to score some points for the Sentinel girls who got second at the divisional. And I expect Stainer to have a much heavier load at this upcoming track meet, the last track meet of her high school career for the University of Montana-bound Missoula Sentinel seniors. So there you go. Treasure State Stars presented by Parkside Credit Union, the best place in western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. What's going on in the rest of the week? We'll get you all set up. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. A great testament to a band being able to take a a great song like this song written by The Cure and they, I mean a big hit for The Cure back in the 1980s and make it your own or at least make the ver- this version of it your own. A little 311 for you. Book ending the show. I'll be headed to the Kettle House Amphitheater right after this for the debut show there at the Amp. Can't wait to see 311. If you see me down there, come say what's up. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the show through the Northwest Motorsports Studio. You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. The Amphitheater season opens tonight. The Missoula Paddlehead season opens tomorrow. You want to go to the game? We got two tickets for you. Paddleheads versus Billings Mustangs, the debut of the second season of Independent League Baseball here in Missoula. Call us right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. First caller, we got two tickets for you to the Missoula Paddleheads game tomorrow down there at Ogren Park, Allegiant Field. Right after this game, we're going to roll right into the Western Conference Finals. 
a potential deciding game in the Western Conference Finals, even though it's only game four from Dallas. That's a must-win absolutely for the Dallas Mavericks because if they don't, it's a 4 nothing sweep for the Golden State Warriors. They'll be into the NBA Finals. So uh, big one in Dallas tonight. We'll roll right into that game. Tip, uh, we got the pregame at 6.30, and the tip is at 7. So uh, stay tuned for that here on your ESPN Radio. Later on this week, we're going to have a fun uh, couple days. Tomorrow, Senior Spotlight returns. Chase Williams, an outstanding senior from Missoula Sentinel who is MIT-bound. That's right, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, one of the premier math and engineering schools in the United States, in the world, really. He's going there to study and also to play football. He was an outstanding football and basketball player for the Spartans this last couple of years. He'll join us in studio as part of our senior spotlight. So we'll much look forward uh, to that. And I uh, got some other fun guests coming up for you later on in the week. Also have um, some Wing It Wednesday coming at you tomorrow. And uh, Chicken Doesn't Know Sports is going to roll on Thursday this week. And we also got our good buddy Regime Seabrook swinging by on Friday to roll with us for the duration of the show. So it'll be a big weekend in high school sports this weekend as well. The uh, season gets wrapped up with state softball, state track and field. So we'll have previews of all that as well. Thanks so much for kicking with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.